Good morning, everyone. You notice I'm not Pastor Cummins. Okay, he is in somewhere in Dallas, Fort Worth area, and he'll be on his way home, if not today, soon. And he's going to be here for Wednesday night to do the service. So he's had quite a trip. I'll let him tell you when he comes back. Uh, let's see. If you see in your, some of you haven't been doing it consistently, but in your pews you see a white card, fill it out for communion and hand it to the usher who is coming in and directing you to the front, so forth. Some people are doing it pretty consistently. We haven't done that with everyone. Okay? I want to remind you of that. Yep. That's it. Thank you. Yep, they have them. And the other thing is, today's message is a special message because it involves Abram before he became Abraham. And Abram was asked by God to be a leader of all nations. And his, from his lineage, and you'll see that as we talk today, 42 generations, according to Matthew, between Abraham and Jesus. How many generations has it been since Jesus was born? Roughly five generations a century, 20 centuries. A lot of generations, isn't it? Yet it's all about you, and that's what we're going to talk about today, how God's blessing comes right back to you. Okay. God we trust is a familiar statement. It has been the official motto of the United States of America since 1956 and has appeared on American coins dating back to 1864. As God's people, we trust that God will keep his promises. Centuries ago, the psalmist confidently stated, In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. Today we began a new church year, and you probably noticed the blue colors. It signifies the start of the new, new year. We can celebrate that God has brought us to this time and place, and together we can look trustingly to blessings and surprises yet to come. In Genesis we read, I will make, you, make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Of course, he's talking to Abram, which we know as Abraham. So we sing our opening hymn. Lift up your heads, ye mighty. joyful song. 
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. This time we'll light the wreath. The first blue or purple candle signifies the start of our Advent season, celebration of which we like to celebrate, of course, at Jesus' birth. We light the first candle on the Advent wreath as we rejoice in the blessings that have come to us through the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. God told Abraham that through one of his descendants, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. promised descendant of Abraham, Jesus Christ, is a blessing for people of all nations who trust in him for salvation. So then those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. Let us confess our sins to God and ask his forgiveness. Lord God, we are blessed with your love and God has had mercy on us. He sent his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, the blessing for the nations, to atone for the sins of the world. I announce to you that your sins are forgiven in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Prayer for the day. We pray. Almighty God and Father, through the gift of your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, you fulfilled your promise to Abraham that one of his descendants would be a blessing of all nations. Jesus, the holy child of Bethlehem, was born among us to bring us the blessing of forgiveness, life, and salvation. Through faith in his name, give us opportunities to use our earthly blessings to help those in need and empower us by your spirit to be bold witnesses to our Savior so that others will come to know the blessing of faith in Jesus. Hear our prayer and accept our grateful praise in his holy name. We sing hymn 333.
Okay, you may be seated. At this time, do we have any children who would like to come forth for the children's message? I know we're all children inside. Scott, you'll just have to prepare for the next one. Thanksgiving, we have so many things to be grateful for, especially our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Our Old Testament reading comes from us from Genesis 12, verses 1 to 8. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your wicked and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot's brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the Oak of Morah. At that time, time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on his east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our epistle lesson comes to us from Romans, verse 4, 1 through 8. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefathers, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but trusts him to justify the ungodly, his faith is counted 
as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is a man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please rise for the gospel. The Holy Gospel, according to St. Luke, the first chapter. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women! Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offsprings forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. We sing hymn number 356.
not very familiar. Maybe the more we sing it. You're going to find a little different uh, approach. Because of my educational background, I was taught that many learners are listeners, many are visual, and then there are those who are tactile. If you combine all three strategies, you're likely to get the most out of it. So one of the visual aids is I put about five slides in the sermon to hit key points. I always ask my granddaughter when I have her in Bible class, so did you get any key points out of the sermon? You can't remember all of it. So with that in mind, uh, that notes in there, it's okay to take notes. And that, that helped me get through college. So we'll help you get through so you can make your way to heaven, right? All right. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to read that key. This is the Old Testament again. The key verse. This is the theme for our sermon today. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Genesis 12, 2. Now, the first reference Pastor makes, he wrote the sermon like he did for the other elders in the previous Sundays. He references the 49ers. I can imagine if he was in Texas, where his previous congregations were, he probably would use the Cowboys. If I was writing the sermon, I'd have used the San Francisco Giants. You'll hear their message here, the first reference in a minute here. Imagine the two friends of yours are attending a 49ers game in Santa Clara. The game is televised, and you have the game at home. You know your friends are there in person and wonder if by chance you might spot them somewhere near the 50-yard line in the crowd of 80,000. Any of you ever watched TV and spotted your friends at a ball game? A couple hands went up. One of my former ball players I saw at a Giants game one time. Yeah. Well, it's an amazing moment when you spot them. You should shout out their names. Or you do shout out their names if they can hear you. What are the odds? The many and the one, or in this case, the many and the two. It's easy to get lost in a crowd, as in, remember those Where's Waldo pictures? How many remember those? Yeah, many of you do, okay? Try to find Waldo, good. Well, in the old Waldo book, it can be hard to find the one among the many. In the history of God and humanity, known as the Bible, God is more than pretty good at finding someone in a crowd. For millennia, four millennia ago, God found a man named Abram from among all the nations and people's groups on earth. God singled this leader out of the crowd and promised to bless him. Such a blessing God gave Abram that it would extend to all nations, all the way down to you. And that's what God said, and that's exactly what happened. Some see the idea of Abram blessing the nations as fulfilled in his impact on the world's religions. Now think of this. The three great world religions of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam are all called Abrahamic religions. They all have Abraham as a real key part of their, their uh, literature and their history and their tradition. They all recognize Abraham. Of course, we do too in a special way. 
As for us Christians, Abram's impact goes much farther than that of historical or religious figure. We believe that God blessed Abraham to establish the nation Israel and that from that nation, God blessed the world with the Messiah, Jesus Christ. We believe that when God first blessed Abraham, God already had blessed, had blessed the whole world, had a blessing of the whole world in mind. You can't miss this in the promise God gave Abraham. It is all very personal, this call of God. At the same time, it is very universal. The one and the many. God says, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make you your name great, so that you will be a blessing, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Clear down to you, you and me. We live among the many. You can see I posted up there Jesus' lineage. If you look in the first chapter of Matthew, he broke it up into three generations, but 42 generations later after Abraham, Jesus came. Remember, son of David? Mm-hmm. You can see that. David was number 14 after Abraham and lineage and so forth. I thought that's quite interesting. Like I said before I started, I said, what about how many generations ago did Jesus live in relation to us? Four or five generations per century, 20 centuries. It's a lot of generations. But he still has you figured out. We live among the many. We are defined by the communities we cherish, the relationships we hold dear, the culture that shapes us. More and more we think globally. We care what happens on the other side of the world. In so many ways, we can lose ourselves in our culture. Almost a century ago already, Thornton Wilder's play, Our Town, if you remember that, was prophetic in recognizing how that one can get lost in the many. He gives an example. He has one of his characters, Rebecca, recall a letter her friend Jane had received. It was addressed to Jane Crowfoot, the Crowfoot Farm, Grover's Corners, Sutton County, New Hampshire, United States of America, continent of North America, Western Hemisphere, the Earth, the Solar System, the universe, the mind of God. Quite a, how small are we? You can picture Jane Croft in that address becoming smaller and smaller, less and less significant. This can be a blessing, this strong sense of the many, especially when it leads us, as in the case of the letter in our town, back to the one, if we trace it back, we know, who has created it all. For all this community and culture of which we are part, From the individual, we move to the universe and ultimately to the creator, God, all the way back. The challenge, though, is not to lose oneself along the way. Many do. The challenge is to know that as God is busy working, the divine plan to save the world through Jesus Christ, God has not lost sight of you in the global crowd. God so loved the world. It's true. But just as true as God so loved you. God has someone, some work to do, cutting through all that is between me and God, the stuff of families, nations, cultures, but 
God gets the divine mail delivered to Barbara and you. We all get his mail, right? That's what I'm here doing, delivering that message. That is the message of the call of Abraham. Yes, God is out to save the many, even the all. But God does it one by one, family by family, nation by nation. And when God gets through, when the saving work of Jesus Christ takes hold of an individual, it is simply true that community is born. One of the reasons I come to church, not only to worship the Lord, but I know that everybody around me is doing the same. You feel that sense of community. And when someone new walks in that door, they're looking for maybe that sense of community too. And they can become part of us. That's why we want to welcome them. And uh, it's kind of my, my passion and my mission is to meet new. But it should be yours too. In other words, from the many, God finds the one who in turn blesses the many. I feel blessed to be part of this congregation. That is your story of blessing and mine. A favorite painting, I've got another reference here, at Christmas is Flemish Renaissance painter Pieter Bruegel's The Census of Bethlehem, painted in 1866. Maybe you've seen the picture. As I describe it, it may come to mind. Bruegel places the story of Christmas Eve in his own contemporary setting on a, of a taxing census in a bustling peasant village in the low countries of the Netherlands. There's enough to see in that painting to fill half an hour. Ice skaters, snowball fights, kids sledding across the ice, the draining of a slaughtered pig blood for sausage, a makeshift pub, crumbling castle, a well-kept church, and a long line of taxpayers. Anybody ever see that picture in the painting? I've seen it, just glanced at it. I never really studied it, but it's out there. It's just so busy, so much to look at. But you have to look for her. But there in the foreground, among the bustling crowd of a Renaissance Christmas Eve, is Mary, the expectant mother of our Lord. She rides a donkey, led by Joseph, into Bethlehem. The cow beside her looks to the viewer as if to say, please take note, he has arrived. The one among many, blessed to bless many. Again, blessed among women are you, of course, speaking to Mary. Marked by a fresh candle each week, we embark today on a season celebrating the birth of the one who came to save the many, all of us. In a sermon on Christmas Day, this is a sermon Martin Luther has recorded in his sermons. The gospel does not merely teach about the history of Christ. No, it enables all who believe it to receive it as their own, which is the way the gospel operates. Of what benefit would it be to, be to me if Christ had been born a thousand times and it would be daily be sung into my ears in a most lovely manner I was never to hear that he was born for me. It was to be my very own. Much of the season we will spend doing what we do at Christmas with the people we love the most. The season of lights and carols and greens and cookies and gifts will in many ways bring its own blessing to our lives and yes, to our culture. 
It will be a lovelier time when the world takes on a yuletide glow. You probably, like I did, already saw the lights out last night, many neighbors and down the road. The message of peace on earth, goodwill to, toward all, seems more than just a slogan. We will do it all with millions of Christians across the world. And that will be good. That said, the good news of Christmas is also meant to be ours, one by one. It's our Christmas. We've been chosen. God has always had a heart for the one through whom many will be blessed. So it was with Abraham. So it was with Mary. So it was with Jesus of Nazareth. And so it is with you. Christ was born for us. Christ was born for you. This Christmas, may God find and bless you among the many and make you a blessing. The last stanza of Philip Brooks Carroll, Old Little Town of Bethlehem, which I'm sure we'll sing at some point this Christmas season, closes with a prayer. May it be our prayer, one and for all. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels with great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us. Abide with us. Our Lord, Emmanuel. Amen. Okay, we rise to sing, to sing hymn 354.
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ. as good as pastor prayer today Lord and Savior have mercy on those who are suffering through illness and loss we think of Margaret Apropachea who last Sunday went in the hospital because of a heart condition I'm not sure if she's home or not I know she was there a couple of days of course we want to remember the families once again of Mike Corby and Joe Simmons Watch over them and comfort them through the promise of your holy word. Lead us as we seek ways to help and to serve those in need so that we might share our blessings with them. Holy Child of Bethlehem. Lord and Savior, you were born among us in fulfillment of the promise to Abraham that one of his descendants would be a blessing to people of all nations. By your suffering and death, you atoned for the sins of the world, holy child of Bethlehem. Lord and Savior, Abraham believed your promise, and his faith was counted as righteousness. Through faith in your name, we too are counted righteous. Through your suffering, death, and resurrection, we have received the blessing of forgiveness, life, and salvation. Holy Child of Bethlehem. Holy Savior, Lord of all nations, hear our prayer and accept our grateful praise. Amen. We begin the sacrament. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, Lord, our God. For you have not only promised us eternal life, but you have also bestowed on us the gift of faith by which we can trust that by his death and resurrection, your son has fulfilled all your promises, opening heaven to all who call on him for mercy and forgiveness. 
The words of our Lord, on the, <clears throat> our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take eat, this is my body, which is given for you in remembrance of me. In the same manner also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. O Lord Jesus Christ, our only Son of the Father, In giving us your body and blood to eat and to drink, you lead us to remember and confess your holy cross and passion, your blessed death, your rest in the tomb, your resurrection from the dead, your ascension into heaven, and your coming for the final judgment. So remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Please be seated. Welcome to the table of the Lord.
Just when all hopes seemed lost, love opened the door for us. He said, Come to the table, come join the sinners who have been redeemed. Take your place beside the Savior. Sit down. Come to the table Come meet this mighty crew of
My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Okay, we sing our closing hymn, 350. Well, I hope your service was a blessed one. It was for me. That promise for Abraham extends all the way to you. This Wednesday will be our first Advent service, but the exciting part is, at least for me, no, there's some exciting part is that there will be food before service. It starts at 5.30. Now, the Care Outreach Committee, if you haven't read The Messenger, this is news to you, but we are the host group. I'm part of that committee also. And now, just for those who haven't read The Messenger... If your last name goes from A through M, we bring a salad or dessert. If your last name starts with N through Z, we bring a soup. Okay, and that's this week, and then it alternates. Starting 
Wednesday, 5.30 is Super Supper and 7 o'clock service. Okay, are there any other questions? Things, excuse me, announcements. There is one. There you go. <laughs> Thank you for going up there so the people online can hear us too. Good morning. So a couple of announcements for you. First, uh, script. Next Sunday, Donna will be in back here to sell script cards to support our school. So just a reminder, it's a great opportunity, whether you're buying uh, some gift cards for Christmas stocking stuffers, Christmas presents, uh, to share with friends your blessings, uh, Donna will be prepared for you. So she'll take those orders from you, you'll pay her, and then she'll get those ordered in the following Sunday. She'll uh, have those delivered back here so that you can pick those up. So on the 4th, she'll be taking orders, and then by the 11th, she'll be able to deliver your script cards back to you. Also, uh, we'll be hanging up a new flower chart. It'll be in the coffee shop. So just a reminder, if you get a chance, uh, the flowers that you see up on the altar uh, that Lois Chambers puts together for us, uh, we do have a cost for them, and so... It's an opportunity, whether you have a special occasion or an anniversary, that you can sign up on the flower chart uh, to put flowers up on their altar. Thank you. God bless your Sunday. Thank you, Dave. Four, okay. The Early Learning Center Christmas Program is this um, sat or is on Saturday, December 10th at 5 o'clock in the church, and then afterwards is the Christmas dinner at 6 o'clock in the gym. There is a food sign-up in the narthex, and it looks like we could use some more hams and then food. Um, Then this Tuesday, November 29th at 7 p.m., we are selling movie 14 tickets to see the Christian movie It's Christmas Again, There are 12 tickets. They're $10 each, so you can find me back in the narthex. We're going as a family, a church family. So far, there are about 25 of us who are going, so it should be really fun. You'll have your ticket. You'll go on your own. We'll meet there, and it'll be lovely. Um, Then Sunday, December 18th, we're Christmas caroling. After service and Bible study, we will bring our own bag lunches and then go out to our shut-ins and nursing facilities. This Sunday, December 3rd, is the memorial service for Mike Corby at 10 o'clock. Jason, you have something to say? Saturday. Saturday. What did I say? Sunday. Saturday. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, and just to topple off that, um, yeah, Mike Corby's funeral will be here uh, December 3rd, Saturday at 10 o'clock. Afterwards, there's going to be a light lunch, and then, okay, carrot cake. All right, that changed. Sorry, that's what Pastor said. Um, and then uh, graveside service will be at 12 o'clock. After that, I'm not sure where it's where it's going to be held yet. McDonald's. McDonald's. Okay, McDonald's. Okay, we'll get it. We'll get it figured out. All right. All right. Thank you. Any other announcements? I'll greet you at the door. Have a blessed day.
to see you, Deborah. Thanks, Phil. Thank you. I appreciate it.